Well, the inflation numbers came out yesterday, and as we told you, StatsCan said uh, the December inflation rate increased to 3.4% after two straight months of the rate being unchanged at 3.1%. What effect might this have on interest rates? Scott Bjornsson from Living Sky Financial now with his thoughts. Good morning, Scott. Morning, Greg. So what do you think? Well, obviously, I think we're hoping that, you know, inflation rates continue the downward trend overall this year, short term. Yeah, I mean, it could be a little bit longer wait for interest rates to begin declining, but I don't think it means that interest rates are not going to start declining. I think that the trajectory is kind of planned, that we have to get a little bit you know, lower on interest rates to actually you know, help things move forward without pushing us into a recession. Scott, you are always telling me plan, plan, plan. As we look into the new year here, new year uh, means new limits for a tax-free savings account, right? Yeah, $7,000 for this year, lifetime limit for those over 18 in 2009, or 18 or older, I should say, in 2009. 95,000, um, you know, RSP deadline, February 29th this year. Uh, if you're looking at it, I mean, you know, start, <laughs> if this year it's not, you know, easy to do, start planning for next year, start doing something monthly, start looking at it for how, you know, should we be doing it that way versus trying to do a lump sum. Just because tax-free savings accounts seem to be the most popular right now, doesn't necessarily mean it's better than an RSP, does it? No, I mean, I think, you know, everything is relevant to, to each individual situation. The RSP as tax-assisted savings is still a very, very relevant tool for, for retirement planning. TFSA also for retirement planning, but also can be used for, you know, medium-term goals. We don't recommend it for short-term goals, but I mean, some people do use it that way. It, it's better to actually learn how they work and, and to you know, plan a little bit better with your with how you use those TFSAs. RSP contribution deadline, it's coming up too. When uh, this year? A little different, isn't it? Leap year, February 29th, 2024. So 60 days after year end, and normally it's March 1st, but everybody assumes the end of February, which means usually our March 1st is rather quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Bjornsson's my guest. And have you had a lot of interest from your customers in the first home savings account? A lot of interest from young people and a lot of interest in, in learning about it. And I think the key there is is when to start. Could you explain it a little? Yeah, well, first home savings account, I mean, you know, provides you with the ability to contribute up to $8,000 a year that is tax deductible, and, and that tax deduction can be carried forward. So if somebody's income is relatively low, they could carry it forward to a future year. Now, a second year of, of being in place, you can put contribute up to 16000 and catch up last year, and now you're not able to, you know, next year contribute twenty four. you'll be able to pick up sixteen. Lifetime contribution limit of 40000 but this can only be used for a first home purchase. So it's a restrictive account and and it can be open for 15 years and so if it's not used i mean the the amounts can be moved over to an rsp if you have room for it without having to become taxable but but people have to plan for that because again due to restrictions you don't want all your money in an fhsa you know especially for younger people if an emergency comes up you can't access it easily without you know losing all the benefits and so you know tfsa first maybe we then we start funding an fhsa but everybody's situation is different and, and they need to plan for that Financial advisor Scott Bjornson. Recession. We heard that a lot in 23. Are we going to be hearing that R word in 24 a lot? Uh, I think we're going to hear the R word a lot because it, it, re- it resonates with people. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, not in a good way. You know, we're hoping we don't have a recession. We're hoping, you know, a soft landing this year and slow down for sure. You know, as we move forward, I mean, things are looking better, you know, as we move through 2024 and into 2025. And I think we have to remember that that creates you know opportunity for investing now 
looking to the future instead of waiting till they say, oh, things are all good. Well, usually by then, things have already moved up and, and things get more expensive. And again, because you know there's a lot of information out there and people are reacting as we go. They're not waiting for things to be over and then moving all of a sudden. Lots of great financial advice coming up uh, in a full half hour of Talk to the Experts this weekend with Scott Bjornson. I appreciate your time, Scott. Thanks, Rick. You know, I'm not saying that our healthcare system is perfect here at Saskatchewan. After all, we have long waits in the emergency room, sometimes patients in the hallways, sometimes they're they're saying no, can't even come into emergency, we're too full. It's it's crazy. I know we're uh, in in bad shape sometimes here, but Alberta, it seems just as bad. And Jan Arden is kind of proving this. What a weird story she shared on TikTok, but it is actually Almost funny, too. She had a little accident using a virtual reality headset, which I can attest to. Uh, they are dizzy, and I was on a roller coaster one, and that was just nuts. Anyhow, she was using one and kind of fell over and accidentally slipped, fell, hit her head, the back of her head on a counter or something, and a big gash opened up. So she had to go to the hospital, and she goes with a friend who's visiting. And they go to Calgary Hospital. I'll let her explain what happens next. She shot the video and explained what was happening to her. As So, because there's cutbacks in the medical system here in Canada, they've asked us to clean our own head. <laughs> so, that's what we're doing. It's, are you all right? Yeah. Do you feel barfy? This is like... This is the worst Tinder date I've ever been on. Yeah, you see her friend behind her using gauze, sopping up the blood from the back of her head. She shows a picture, even in their video, of how deep the gash was. It was bad. So anyhow, the next day out of hospital, Jan Arden explains how her visit ended. And just know that when she says, they sent me home with these, she's holding up a pair of medical scissors. Day two of my... uh wiping out VR, virtual reality, headset, goggle incident. So embarrassing. At the hospital, I think you noticed Nigel, they had Nigel, my friend from visiting from the UK, they had him <laughs> clean my head with, they left four towels and a basin filled with warm water and um, just, just said to him, do you mind cleaning this out? Which he did. He didn't know what he was doing. And then they sent me home with these, I'm like, how long do these staples stay in my head? And he said, 12 days. And I said, oh, do I just come back to get them out? Or he goes, no, I'll just send you home with these. You can get a friend to take them out. <laughs> so send her home with the medical scissors to take the staples out of the back of her head. And the doctor even showed her friend how to do it. So the two prongs face the bottom. There's the two prongs. Yep. They're going to slide under the staple. Yep. Then you close the scissor. Yep. Then lift. Close the scissor and then then lift. That's right. I have a lot of good friends, but I don't trust any of them on the back of my head taking those staples, let alone recognizing there might be an infection, which could lead to a staph infection that close to your brain. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's back to school today, including you in uh, Greenall after that fire of the weekend. Greenall is scheduled to open as well. And of course, it was a one day strike. And uh, quite the support yesterday on the Elvis Street Bridge. Teachers 
uh, walking up and down along the bridge and in front of the ledge. And uh, joining me now is president of the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation, Samantha Beacott. Samantha, you must have been happy to see and hear that support. Uh, absolutely. I was there on Albert Street Bridge in the morning yesterday. I joined some teachers in Saskatoon in the afternoon and and hearing all of the public support, uh, business support, so many donations, so many donations from um, other groups. It was it was absolutely incredible. Even parents and parents and students coming out and making sure their teachers were were warm and had a warm drink. It was it was a great day. I have seen a lot of uh, parents uh, using the I support Saskatchewan teachers on social media. I'm sure you're happy about that too. However, Samantha, as you were rallying. Uh, the Education Minister, Jeremy Cockrell, was on our airwaves to suggest the one-day strike won't change anything. I want you to have a listen and then your reaction, please. You know, we, we're looking at other parts of, of our mandate, uh, our bargaining mandate with, with our bargaining team to see where where we can continue to try and find common ground. But again, it's difficult to find common ground when you're the only party at the table. And so going back to the conciliators report, uh, you know, really what my takeaway from that is that both sides need to continue talking. And for us to do that, I mean, it's nice to come on the radio here and talk to you and your listeners, but it's better if we can do that at the bargaining table. And so certainly I hope that the teachers union can come back to the table and we can keep talking about some of the big issues and, and some of the, you know, the variety of issues that the teachers have brought forward. I think I know your thoughts, but uh, your reaction. Uh, well, it is, it's disappointing to hear the minister uh, talk like that because it's, yes, the, the GTBC is at the table, um, but I wouldn't say they're ready to have a conversation, at least from what I have experienced. We have not been having a conversation. Teachers have been having a conversation, and what we get from the other side is no. That's not a conversation. That's not bargaining. And the conciliators report specifically uh, spoke to class complexity and needing to have those conversations in the bargaining process. So uh, these are things that that aren't radical. These are are things that happen in other provinces. These are are working conditions of teachers and learning conditions of students. They're one in the same. Uh, we need to ensure that we see improvements in a in a long term. So okay. We, yeah. Oh, well, I was going to say the education minister said school boards around the province are meeting with them, and he suggests that uh, the right for them to make these management decisions in terms of how classrooms are staffed and how supports are delivered should be left with the local school divisions. Are you dis- disappointed, frustrated at all with the Saskatchewan school board when it comes to support? Uh, well, we we have the same message as the Saskatchewan School Boards Association on a lot of things, specifically around the budget, and that's what constrains school divisions, and that's why uh, class complexity continues to come up in in the bargaining realm because uh, the the ministry wants to say, well, those are school division decisions, but school divisions don't have the ability to raise revenue; they can't set the mill rate anymore because of a decision of this government. Um, and so government sets the budget and school divisions are forced to fit into that budget. Um, and, and so that just means that when enroll- or, uh, uh, budget increases don't match inflation or enrollment growth, school divisions have to make cuts. Um, and we want to ensure that there's predictable, sustainable funding that meets the needs of kids. And, and teachers are the ones that are on the front line supporting those kids. And they're the ones that know best. Uh, what supports are needed. So there needs to be some consultation with teachers too. But absolutely, local decisions uh, by local boards uh, is where we think the decisions should be made. But with 
teacher voice there as well. Samantha Peacott from the Teachers Federation. It did seem to suggest they're open to discussing what works before investing in it. He feels there's conversation to be had in order to figure out what works before ramping it up. He gave the pilot project recently launched as an example. Can you blame the province for not wanting to sign off on a deal that with open-ended costs uh, at all, Samantha? What, what about that? We're not talking about open-ended costs. We we can absolutely put fixed amounts within uh, within there to set targets on on maybe how to expand pilot projects. When we see things that are working, how can we make a a longer-term commitment to ensure that not just eight schools are getting support, but all schools across our province are getting support? Um, the the pilot projects I think are an easy way to say that they are doing something, but we have also seen election promises come and go, and then continual cuts to education. We want to know in a long term uh, that they are committed to, to providing supports for our kids. Okay. Are you at all interested in picking up the phone, calling them today, and saying, okay, let's, let's try this again? Uh, the minister and I are in regular communication, and so um, we, while we do media uh, publicly, we uh, provide opportunities. He knows my number. I, I contact him regularly to provide opportunities as well as between our, our uh, bargaining committees. There's open communication and open lines of communication there. Um, but, but we have always said that we're ready to negotiate. We're ready to have the back and forth. Anything we put forward is an opening position, um, but we're not going to bargain against ourselves. I don't know if you've ever bought a car and you go and offer something and the dealer says no, and then you offer something else and the dealer says no, and you offer something else and the dealer says no. It's a frustrating process and yeah. it's frustrating for teachers too. So good good analogy. Have a conversation. Good analogy. Yeah. How many hours, Samantha, or days are we away from hearing about your next move or either another walkout or extracurricular activities being affected? Uh, when are you going to announce your next move? Uh, well, time will tell. We, Like we said, we, we're hopeful that we hear communication from uh, the minister or from the bargaining team about a renewed mandate and getting uh, back to the table to actually engage in conversations, real conversations, like I've been describing. Um, Samantha, not, not to make light of it, but do I need a sitter next week? <laughs> time will tell. We, we are required to provide 48 hours notice, and we will uh, do that. We know we heard positive feedback from providing additional notice, but we have said as well that that may not always happen. Um, so people people need to be ready, and also people need to urge their elected officials to to get back to the table and have those meaning com- meaningful conversations okay. uh, around long-term commitment. I'm sure I'm out of time, Samantha. I do appreciate the, uh, the, the call in here again today, though. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. In the U.S., uh, almost 80% of the country there is experiencing cold weather in some form or another, blizzards. And uh, the Arctic blast still in play and might affect this weekend's NFL divisional playoffs. Driving is tough there. Snow threatens another Bills game on Sunday, which is, of course, against the Chiefs. I can't wait for that game. That is going to be good. And the Baltimore Ravens will be visiting a very freezing cold Houston 
to play the Texans. So, again, weather will be a factor in uh, the NFL this coming weekend. NHL last night, the marquee matchup was the Leafs and Oilers. Yeah, Matthews got goal number 34, but after two, the Leafs uh, lead 2-1 in the game. It, it definitely had a playoff atmosphere. Man, there were a lot of Leaf fans, as there always are in the Western games. It, it just made me think how great it would be to see these two in a playoff round. It would tear the country apart, I think, here. But third period, the Oilers tie 2-2. Three minutes to go, the Leafs blow another third period lead. The Oilers score again, and it's... 3-2, and they'd add an empty netter, and it was a 4-2 final for the Oilers. 11 wins in a row now. Leafs have lost four in a row. Leafs head coach Sheldon Keefe after taking heat from the media, of course. How concerned are you that this is becoming a trend now, not being able to lock up the period? Well, it's, it's it's been like eight days. It's been like eight days. Like That's the trend, eight days. I mean, but the week before that, we won four in a row, got leads early, took care of them, took care of the game, played mature uh, mature games against Anaheim and San Jose, played a great game against the LA Kings. Like That's like a week ago. Tough, always in the spotlight, those Leafs. Uh, how are you feeling, Leaf fans? A little squirmy? I haven't, haven't heard from some of my Leaf fans this morning. I'm surprised. It's 826.